Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Welcome to the Church of Roy, an armchair all-American podcast. Warning, today's show may include adult language. Now here are your hosts, Brian Wilcox and Steve DeWalt. Welcome everybody to the pre-playoffs edition of the Church of Roy podcast. I'm your host, as always, Steve DeWalt, Associate Editor of Blazer's Edge. And of course, I am always joined by our co-host, the man in Denver, behind enemy lines, Brian Wilcox. How are you doing tonight, Brian? I'm excellent. I'm happy we're playing the Nugs, and I'm even happier we're not in the plan. So, can't wait. Big, big week in in Denver. I mean, you got the Avs in the playoffs, postseason start in the NHL. You got the Nuggets. It looks like that's going to kind of play into the scheduling here down the stretch. I, will, I think the Avs have a home game on Tuesday. So, it'll be, it'll be really interesting. Games uh, announced today. I don't think we have a time yet, but the Blazers will play game one on Saturday. Of course, this is the a rematch from the regular season finale. I think we're going to be looking at a much different Nuggets team. Um, just a wild, wild last day of the season, 42 and 30. And I kind of switch up the order of the podcast a little bit. Let's just go back and talk about that last day, that wild Sunday. You have basically everything of consequence for the Blazers all happening at the same time. Take me through what you were doing, what you were thinking, and how you were watching, Brian, because I believe you were blacked out for the game, weren't you? Yeah, that sucked. I was just a ball stress. Let me correct that. The, your TV was blacked out. You personally were not blacked out. So <laughs> no, go ahead. I was, I was sober as a bird. But uh, yeah, man, it, I couldn't watch the game. So I was uh, following on my phone extremely closely, obviously keeping an eye on what the Lakers were doing with. Uh, you know, an LA win and a Portland loss, you're looking at Portland being the play in. So those are my two big two big things I was tracking. And uh I was really happy to see through my ESPN app that uh Portland <laughs> got off to a pretty sturdy lead early and it wasn't much of a game. No, it, it really it really wasn't. I, I think you we basically knew three minutes into that game what was gonna what the result of that game was gonna be. The Blazers mm-hmm. open up an eleven oh run. Very relaxed defense from Denver. Not an emphasis on pushing the pace. 
not really closing out on shooters. You're basically letting the Blazers do what they do best. You didn't really see any extra pressure on Damian Lillard until the the second half, and it was only briefly. And I think that's a couple things. One, I think the Lakers or the Lakers, the Nuggets were happy with however the schedule was going to fall to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I don't think they wanted to give anything away. They didn't want to to play anybody too much. Uh, I think they kind of figured there there's a really good possibility they were going to get the Blazers, and of course they do. For me, I just remember like I'll always remember just having the chart in front of me and just trying to figure out where everything was going to fall. Absolutely. And the the thing that was really throwing me off, and I don't know about you, was how the hell the the Nuggets and the Clippers were going to fall. How that was going to fall in depending on what happened in that Clippers game, because mm-hmm. you're talking about just a wild outcome there. You're talking about the Oklahoma city thunder who have a huge incentive to lose that game. And then the Clippers as well, because they're trying to dodge what they suspect to be the Lakers in the next round. So just really, I think there could be like a 30 for 30 short just on that game of just two teams, like really intentionally not trying to win a basketball game. It was a tankathon, dude. Some like of of uh, an epic tank of a game that we haven't seen for quite some time. I believe. Uh, Harken back to the was it Mark Madsen who was launching threes for the like the Lakers one year. I mean, you have to go back a while to uh, really see a tank job like that. When you get Patrick Patterson playing, you know, forty two minutes, and they had that a, a Toru guy. I think he got <laughs> up like. Twenty-three shots or so. I don't have it in front of me, but I got yeah. launching, and I saw some clips where it was like, you know, you had the you had the announcer like, you know, he's taking good shots at least, and then as he immediately fires up like a contested fadeaway, ISO yeah. in the on the right block, you're just like, holy shit! I but, mean, um, it, I think it broke how we all wanted it to, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. I think <laughs> real quick on a Toro, like. I think we all, I think everybody in this room, producer Perry included, we all follow the NBA pretty closely. We have a pretty good idea of who's in the league and who's not. I can honestly say I had to really kind of look up who he was and why they're running a bunch of isolation offense for him. So that was, that was definitely interesting. Just to kind of put a bow on that last day. It's, I think it was like that last week was such an encapsulation of this entire season where you have all this hand-wringing after that collapse against the Suns. You have the Robert Covington, two missed free throws, a suspect foul call at the end where it was a foul, but the angle that the ref blew the whistle from probably didn't see where that foul came from. Um, And then, you know, it's just doomsday in Portland. And then all of a sudden, you know, everything breaks the right way. Everybody wanted Denver. Now everybody gets what they wanted. Um, We'll see if that works out. Um. Just just crazy how it all played out, and I think it was just a perfect way to condense my entire feeling from the whole season down into one week. What, what, how do you feel after, you know, that high, that low from there to, to where we are now? How, was it basically the same journey? Sports, culture, takes, take line has it all. Take Line is a weekly podcast hosted by Emmy winner Jason Concepcion and former WNBA champ Renee Montgomery. That's a fast-paced exploration of the NBA and the world of sports and culture. Each week, Jason and Renee talk about the games, players, controversies, and issues that run on and off the court. This is a great listen. Right now, go follow them on Take Line every Tuesday where you get your pods.
Hey guys, this is Producer Perry, and I want to talk to you about an awesome app that we've been using here on the Church of Roy called Locker Room. It is a live, audio-only sports talk platform. You can talk to me, you can talk to Steve, Brian, lots of other insiders and athletes, including Andre Iguodala and Bam Adebayo. It is free to use on all iOS devices, including your iPhone, your iPad, and all things like that. Guys, it's been a blast being able to talk to all of you and communicate uh, in just a different way, a different avenue to, to get our points and perspectives across. So all you have to do is go to your iOS app store and download the Locker Room app for free. It was. It was a, definitely a breath of fresh air just when that night wrapped up and kind of the, the dust settled and we saw that we were in that sixth spot. For me, even, I, I was just so pleased to be out of the play. And I've really mm-hmm. been banging that drum for the last couple of weeks. And just – you don't want to put yourself in a position where you don't even get four, right? I know there was some uh, – there's some chatter on this pod between <laughs> you, Steve, and producer Perry about mm-hmm. wanting to see that plan for the entertainment value. But, you know, I, I remember when things were really bad, you know, we were coming off that five game losing streak and we were talking best case scenarios and it was like, you know, hey, maybe grabbing this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. Six seed. <laughs> like, that'd, be, that'd be amazing if they could turn this thing around. And I think we have to stop and kind of enjoy the, enjoy the moment a bit that this team was able to pull together climb themselves out of that hole they dug themselves and just play their asses off the, the last uh, 10, 12 games of the season or whatever it's been and, and really turn turn the narrative around. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll admit it. I was, I was one on here advocating for, for a play in matchup. I, I will defend myself a little bit that <laughs> when, when you're in the midst of this April slump, I'm trying to look for, Hey, maybe there's a last gasp of a positive outcome. Um, let's get in the plane and see what happens because what I really wanted to avoid was going into a series and just getting smoked, you know, gentleman's mm-hmm. sweep. And, and I don't think that's 
I definitely a different feeling going to this. I think judging by how the pundits are looking at this, ESPN came out today, all their experts, it's basically split. Yep. Eight and eight. Everybody predicts it's going to be a long series. Um, the Athletic also had a really cool piece today where they asked three anonymous league personnel. So they asked a coach, a scout, and a team executive. And basically their thoughts on all of it. And, and I believe it was a two, three split in the Blazers favor for, for the Blazers advancing out of that series. So, I, I mean, at worst, the Blazers look like they have a punching chance, but before we get too far into the postseason talk, you know, this is kind of, I mean, we have the playing games going as we're recording now. Um, but this is kind of the time where people kind of start talking and putting the finishing touches on, on their all NBA ballots and their MVP ballots. And I just want to talk about that just real quick as far as where you see Damian Lillard first in that MVP conversation and where do you think he finished and why, why do you have him there? Oof, an MVP, you know, I'd probably put him at five myself, four or five, somewhere in there. I think that if he wouldn't have got banged up throughout the year, you know, I think he had a golden opportunity with – Jokic kind of banged up, banged up, not playing as well, and then and and beat on the shelf for a while. Sorry, Jokic didn't miss any games, but he he was kind of like always lingering throughout the year. Yeah. Um, and B was kind of front row there for a while, right? And then mm-hmm. um, I think Luca was the favorite going into the year, but I think Lillard, you know, for a while there it looked like he was going to take. It. Mm-hmm. And then I think his level of play just dropped off a little bit again. Did being banged up. I'd still put him right there in that five range, probably. I think him and Chris Paul are kind of right in that five, six area with some sort of order of, I think Jokic has it, um, Embiid. And then I still think Giannis is right up there too. Yeah. I I don't think we're too far apart on this. I I think for me, I think Jokic is is the guy. I think he's a clear cut MVP favorite. I don't know if he'll get a unanimous MVP, but just because the field's so wide open, but Mm -hmm. I think he is the top guy. I think he has basically everything. He has the consistency over the whole year. Yes, he did have some, you know, fatigue issue, wear and tear, I mean, playing in every game. I think he'll – if he does win the MVP, I think he'll be the first MVP since Kobe to play in every game. So that that is impressive. Um, Then I have Joel Embiid, who I think if Joel Embiid doesn't get hurt, he might – I think he is the runaway winner of this especially when you look at where the Sixers finish on top of the East. Um, and then, really, I mean, Giannis's numbers are the same as what they were when he won his two other MVPs. I think it's just a bo- some voter fatigue. Um, yep. happens, that, happens every year, right? Yeah, Pretty, yeah. Or at least every other year. So I mean, it's happened to Harden. I, I think it – Curry. Yep, Curry. And, um, and so then we get into that Lillard range for me where it's – it's the three guys that I think you can make the same case for all three of them. I think you have Steph Curry, Luka Doncic, and Damian Lillard, who I don't think there's a wrong way to assemble those three down the MVP rankings after those top three. It's, you know, really offense heavy guys, all players that carried, you know, subpar supporting cast. I mean, the Blazers now at full strength have have a decent supporting cast. I would argue they probably have the best supporting cast out of, you know, the Mavericks and Golden State now at full health. Obviously, things change if Clay Thompson's healthy uh, for the Warriors. But I, I think you make the same case. They they each had kind of lulls in their season. Their teams didn't finish at the top of the conference. They're not known for their defense. But 
crazy offensive production. And, and that's just kind of how I see that list. And then I think you get into the kind of that next group where you kind of get into the feel good stories that you're going to mention in the MVP conversation. That's where I think you get into the Chris Pauls, the Julius Randles and, and those type of players. Yeah. I have Chris Paul a little higher. I think just what he's been able, how he's been able to turn around that Phoenix team. And I think the MVP sometimes is about that narrative, you know, and kind of function relative to expectations where Luke or Doncic came in as the, as the favorite. I think if he had a little lower expectations this year, he'd be getting more hype because that Mavericks team really wasn't a bunch of world beaters. Right. I mean, Hardaway was when Tim Hardaway Jr. is a crucial, crucial piece of your squad. I mean, you're not, you're not rolling out a super team and, and, you know, they finished above Portland, Mm -hmm. same record, but um, yeah, to me, I thought Chris Paul had an underrated year and, and really the, he, he kind of, Turned around for those young pups, which he's yeah. done at every stop he's been. But I think this is the best team he's had in quite some time. Yeah, I, I think it to I'll lump I'll just move Chris Paul into the next conversation, which is the the all NBA team, which I think is mm-hmm. the next logical place to go. I don't view I don't think I I personally don't view the MVP award as kind of that lifetime achievement award for a player. Um, that's why I think I might have Chris Paul a little bit lower. I think you you make up for that on the back end of players' careers by getting them onto the third team or second team All NBA, because at the end you're you're making that list longer on their basketball reference page and their and their Hall of Fame case. Um, and sometimes at the end of those it can be, which now is it's consequential for contracts. But I, I think tra- traditionally you kind of saw some guys sneak in to that third team just on storyline alone. Yep. Um, really, my my hey, my all NBA squad first team reads very similar to my my MVP standings. The only difference is is Jokic is the center, so that moves Embiid down to to the next team. But then it just reads Giannis. I'm going to take full advantage like Zach Lowe did, put Luca at the small forward position, um, and then Steph and Dame in the backcourt. I, I think Julius Randle for me, along with Jimmy Butler, were very close for that other forward spot that I ended up giving to Luca, but. That, that's my first team. I, I think there's just so many good options this year Yeah, from a storyline and production standpoint. There's a lot of guys that played out of this world. It's fascinating this year with the, how they kind of opened up the positions, right? They have uh, Embiid and Jokic both listed as kind of a forward center hybrid. Luka's got the guard forward designation. So I get a little weird. I have uh, Curry Lillard, uh, Luka, Giannis, and Jokic as well. But I can honestly see – it, well, it'll be interesting to see if the voters kind of cling to that tradition of just having the one center on on each squad, or if Embiid can sneak into that, I guess, forward spot. And then you're, you know, between Lillard and Luca, who knows? I think that could go either way. But it's very likely that one of those guys can almost just swap teams with Embiid just because of those new designations. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see how, you know, a lot of the MVP votes lie with traditional media members who might stick more strictly to those position designations where you might, you know, you're probably going to eliminate Embiid or Jokic from the first team. And then really if they play it straight and keep Luca at a guard, mm-hmm. I, that it's going to be really interesting to see how that impacts Lillard's chances of making first team or second team. He hasn't made first team for a couple seasons. He made second team last year. He's been pretty consistent on making one of the three teams for the last, I think, seven years. So that that's impressive in itself. Once the dust kind of settles and I get a chance to sit down, I'd like to put that in context for some other Blazers because I think it's probably a pretty short list 
<laughs> over that time span. Yeah, it might absolutely. only be might only be Clyde and, and maybe uh well Lamarcus left halfway through. So yeah. um and you know, and with these all NBA teams too, along with the positional kind of variability they're they're allowing this year. Another big thing too is that so many top guys miss time throughout the season that I'm I'm curious to see how much that's weighted in the voting. I, I don't think you can argue that LeBron James is not at least you know at the very minimum a second team all NBA guy, but he missed a ton of time, right? And mm-hmm. you have those three guys from the Nets who are all all NBA level players coming from a excellent squad, but those guys all missed time, including one guy who showed up 10 pounds overweight and uh, <laughs> quit on his team and got traded. But <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's there's just a couple couple things. It'll be it'll be interesting to see how highly that's weighted by the people who vote on this stuff. Oh yeah. I I'm really curious to see about that Nets team. Just just not only for the awards season, which I think that's gonna miss a lot of those guys. I don't think regular season was on any of their minds coming into this. Still you got Kyrie Irving put up a what, a fifty forty ninety season at a at a high level of production. So that that is wild to think that you know, there, there were some serious contributors there, but it just, we never saw it all together and we're going to finally see it in the playoffs. And if they pull it off, I think that just puts down just a totally new blueprint for, for building teams in the super team era. I mean, granted, we've seen super teams like this before, but, but to see a team really not give a shit about the regular season mm-hmm. and then to be able to pull something together, if they go on a title run would be, it's going to be wild to see. And it's going to be, not probably not very long before you see a team try to replicate it. Um, So let's just get back into the postseason. Last week we talked about, you know, potential matchups. You you obviously, again, you you know, you're, you advocate against the play in and you advocate for a nugget series. So we're out of the, we're out of the play in Uh, we're, we're against the nuggets. What, what do you see now? Can it, first, can you take anything from that last regular season game, or is that just a wash for you as far as what, what we saw? I think it's an absolute wash, except for maybe um, – I think the biggest statement about that game is that the guys who couldn't play for Denver, mm-hmm. um, having Dozier out with the abductor issue and obviously no Murray, and then uh, Will Barton is nursing a bad hammy, Will the Thrill. And so mm-hmm. – to me, that was about all you can take from it. And and the fact that Portland has all their best guys that were ready to go. Um, that's about mm-hmm. it. Active, inactive. Yeah. I, I I agree with you. I, I think there was the most takeaways. I'm not I'm not looking at Denver for I don't think we learned any new information from that Denver squad in that series. Mm. I think what we did see is clearly is Yusuf Nurkic is ready to roll. I think he's hit his stride. He's playing his best basketball in a couple years. Uh, obviously, that's a pretty low bar to clear, considering his injury and, and how he entered this season. Yeah. Um, but he's clicking. And, and I think we see it It works with Norm. It works with all the new pieces. It works with Robert Covington. So that's encouraging to see. I think that's a takeaway you can take from this. this. And then also, like you said, those injuries with Will Barton out and P.J. Dozier out, like – I, I don't – there's going to be some odd players that are going to see the floor in this potentially. And that's – and one name that sticks out is, is Compazzo. Is he going to play in this series? What do you think 
uh, about him seeing actual minutes in this series? I think he's playing. Um, I think Monty Morris might even be a little banged up or have something going on too. I don't think I looked, I don't think he has an injury designation, but I think he's got a little something there. His minutes have been a little down. So I think Composito is definitely playing. He's frisky, but Dame will torch him. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's a very good thing for Portland if he's out there. Yeah, it, Morris has kind of been nursing a couple of nagging injuries this last couple of weeks of the season. We'll just see how much that is, just kind of getting ready for the postseason or or if that is something. But yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you. I think if you put Compazzo out there, I think he is the instant target. And if there's you know, people who know what that looks like in a playoff series, it's Blazers fans. Because for so long tossing Damian Lillard or CJ McCollum out there was just red meat for a postseason team. Mm-hmm. And, and I think the Blazers are perfectly equipped to take advantage of that. So that's one, I, that's something I'm really interested to see is if he's going to see the floor. And then also I I'm curious about what the, what the backup rotation looks like in the post for the nuggets. I mean, they have JaVale McGee, yeah. they have Paul Millsap, but Michael those Green. Jermichael Green, uh, Jermichael Green might be the only guy who doesn't fit into this next thing I'm going to, touch on but really i can see Cantor getting into the comfort zone with all three of those guys specifically Millsap and mcgee like i mean they're gonna let him play in the post i mean Millsap can't stretch the floor but traditionally you want him in there for rebounding and all mm-hmm. that and battling with Cantor. so i think you might this is a series where i think we're gonna see Cantor play um obviously you want nurkic in there but but i think i think you're gonna see a fully functioning bench unit somewhat assembled to what we saw going into the postseason i am a little curious if they won't zig a little bit um and try to kind of play i i think on offense when Nurkic is out there Jokic is going to be operating away from the basket making him uncomfortable and creating from the top of the key i could kind of see the nuggets continuing to try to make portland's big guys uncomfortable by potentially going a little smaller. I don't know if the trade-off would be worth it for him. You know, you mentioned Millsap. He might – Cantor just might take him down low and just, you know, work the shit out. But there, there is a, there is a, I guess, universe where, um, you know, they pull Cantor out and he just gets less effective and it forces Portland to go a little smaller. I don't think that's going to happen. I, I lean more towards your line of thinking where I think this is a good matchup for Cantor. But it is something to monitor if maybe he's doing some damage and coming in off the bench and getting 15 and 15 or something on the, the first couple of games. Okay, so of the matchups that we, we've kind of talked about already on the last podcast, wh- who are you more concerned about? Are you more concerned about – I'll give you two choices. You got mm-hmm. Jokic exploiting Nurkic and getting Nurkic into foul trouble, or you have – no one can guard Michael Porter Jr. in this series. What of those two options? What 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 do you see being the bigger potential problem here, or the most likely outcome of those bad situations? Yeah, I, th- I think that Jokic is going to get his no matter what. the The concern for me is exactly how you hit on is getting Nurkic in foul trouble. Then we have kind of the fulcrum of the offense and defense sitting on the bench rather than on the floor. But Denver's going to need a second guy to step up and score some points in bunches or else I don't think they're going to beat Portland. I don't think they really even have a great chance because with the backcourt that Denver's trotting out there, Dame and CJ, if they don't average 50 combined a game, I think it'll be a bit of a disappointment. 
And so to me, Michael Porter Jr. has to be that second guy for that team to even give them a chance of, of getting out of the first round. This week has tons of sports action as the MLB, NBA, and NHL are in full swing. Get all the latest news, odds, and info on all your sporting needs, including the MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC and MMA action. For the next pitch, three-pointer, slap shot, we're spinning, back fist. Head on over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device. Check out all the great sports news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get out there, put some money on these games. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for the runs to the playoffs. Bet Online, your online sports experts. You work hard and you play hard. So treat yourself and stack up for summer barbecues with Kansas City Steak Company. Visit KansasCitySteaks.com and get 10% off your order and free shipping with code SD at checkout. From classic steak cuts to USDA Prime to American style Kobe, hard to find specialty cuts and more. Kansas City Steaks has you covered and has everything you need to fire up the grill this spring and summer. Seriously, don't be the guy who has just a weak ass package of weenies when you, everybody shows up to your house to barbecue. And Kansas City Steaks makes it easy not to be that guy. So each order from Kansas City Steaks is flash frozen so you know it's going to taste good when you get it out of your freezer and it's delivered directly to your home. Satisfaction guaranteed or your money back. Imagine just relaxing in the backyard, playing some cornhole. Everybody's enjoying steakhouse quality meals from Kansas City Steaks. Try their butter tender filet mignon, Kansas City strips, juicy steak burgers, all beef jumbo hot dogs, and even complete meal combos. Bring the steakhouse to your house this summer with Kansas City Steaks. Go to KansasCitySteaks.com and get 10% off your order and free shipping with the code SD at checkout. One more time, that's KansasCitySteaks.com and our listeners can use promo code SD for 10% off. That's KansasCitySteaks.com code SD. Put some meat on the grill. Yeah, I, I am a little concerned about what they're gonna do with Michael Porter Jr as far as defensively and what Denver is going to try to do with Michael Porter Jr. on, on the other end of the floor, who are they going to try to put him on? Mm-hmm. Um, basically, long story short, I'm hoping the Blazers can avoid a cross matchup here because I think one of the things that we didn't see that I touched on at the very beginning is we didn't see Denver try to push the pace at all. And we've seen that has been the Achilles heel of this Blazers defense among other things, but that is one that's been consistently stood out. Even as Nurkic has come back, they have been susceptible to transition and, and people who push the pace. Mm-hmm. I am hoping that Norm is able to stick on him and Porter Jr. picks up the defensive assignment on him as well. We'll see if that actually happens. Because I am terrified of Jokic getting the rebound, turning and firing, because that is one of the things that he is so deadly with. And just being able to see the floor – He's known for picking teams apart in the half-court offense, but he is, you know, he is a better vision of what Kevin Love was doing a couple, you know, a decade ago with those Mm -hmm. outlet passes that kind of made him that special big man. Um, It'll be really interesting to see if Portland can can avoid a situation like that and avoid Michael Porter Jr. getting to the corner, getting those open looks early in the shot clock. Do you think they keep – do you think Portland keeps – 
Powell, because I'm, I'm assuming Porter's going to start at the three, obviously with Gordon at the four. He'll play four, though, uh, throughout the course of the game, I'm, I'm, I would assume. I don't know. They're, they're pretty – I mean, with, with Barton out, they're pretty light on the wing. So maybe he does play a little bit more on the three. But do you think that Portland will try to keep Powell on Porter to avoid those cross matchups or keep – or, you know, throw Covington and kind of hide Powell over on Gordon? Or how, how do you see it going? Like, if you had to call it one way or the other. I think you try to keep Norm with Michael Porter Jr. at all costs because I am yeah. more worried. I think Aaron Gordon is a damn fine player, and I think he's going to get have a couple of really good games in this series. Yeah. I think how Portland loses this series is Michael Porter Jr. gets hot. Because I mm-hmm. think, like you said, Jokic is going to get his you hope to mitigate it. You hope to slow him down. You hope to make him work hard to where if the series does go, you know, six games, seven games, he's worn out by the end. And Yusuf Nurkic is perfectly equipped to do that to a player. Mm-hmm. But I think Aaron Gordon is kind of the same path. I think he's Aaron Gordon's going to do Aaron Gordon things. I think Robert Covington's going to make his life difficult. But as we've talked about repeatedly on this podcast, Robert Covington is not a one-on-one defender. He is a guy who is better playing off of guys and just playing with the flow of the defense and and getting to those problem areas that drive opposing offenses crazy. Mm -hmm. You, I think Michael Porter jr. Is that X factor where if he is getting his along with Aaron Gordon and Jokic, that's how this series turns drastically to Denver's favor. And, And I think what you have to do, is put your best perimeter defender on him. And if he tries to take Norm into the post, one thing I've been really impressed with with Norm is if you just watch him play, he plays with one of the widest bases I've seen a player play with on the perimeter in a long time. I mean, he is he is stout. He doesn't concede ground at all. He's got a long wingspan. I think he can give him problems. It's on the perimeter I worry about a little bit, but I think if you're as long as you're staying close to Michael Porter Jr., I, I like your chances, but you can't give up corner threes to him. Exactly the – that was the, exactly the point I was going to make. Um, I'd rather have Powell chase him around the perimeter and rather than having Covington trying to navigate that, maybe lose him in transition. But for the most part, if Porter wants to take Powell into the post and shoot over him, great. I mean, he's he'll probably do fine down there, but that means that you don't have Jokic at the top of the key doing weird shit, getting Nurkic in trouble, whipping the ball around. And if – you know, if the Nuggets beat – Portland because Michael Porter drops 40 from the post every game, then, you know, you yep. pack it up and you go <laughs> home. But I, I'm with you. I, I'd much prefer to have Powell chasing him around and and uh, kind of keep coming 10 at home on Gordon a little bit while being able to provide a little more help defense. You don't want to leave Gordon completely alone, but you, you're much more comfortable helping off, off him than you are on Porter without a doubt. Yeah. So just a couple – just two quick things we're going to get – to this and we're going to continue to i think we're going to try to get one more podcast out before the game actually goes on i'm I'm hoping to snag a guest from from the denver market to uh to come in and talk about it but before we get to that there's a couple things i want i want to touch on one is for portland do you think carmelo anthony do you think his minutes go down do you think they stay the same do you think they weirdly go up in this series Where, where do you see carmelo fitting into this series I think with Portland, barring, you know, Denver doing some um, really intentionally – being very intentional with their lineups to force certain guys off the floor, 
I think this eight-man rotation that they've been rolling with is is what we're going to see in the playoffs. Essentially, the Simons, Mello, Cantor group off the bench. I think, you know, obviously Dame and CJ are going to be playing high 30s a night. And probably some of those other guys' minutes will get a slight bump. So I could see Mello's minutes potentially going down just a just a touch. But I think his role is essentially going to be the same. I, I think kind of what we've seen the last 12 games, 10 games a season, is kind of what they're rolling in the playoffs with. Mm-hmm. And I think he's going to be a big part. I think he's going to have probably a, a stinker where we just go, he's going to have one of those mellow stink bombs. But I think he's also going to have a game in this series where you go, man, I'm glad we had that guy. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't disagree with you too much. I think it, it circling back to Michael Porter Jr. one more time, I think it depends on what they try to do with him as they start to tweak their rotations. Same with Jamichael Green. I don't really like seeing Mello have to guard someone who is a dead-eye three-point shooter. That does worry me a little bit. Yeah. But if he can stay – I think I'm comfortable with him in a Millsap matchup. I, I'm comfortable with him being out there with a few of those bench setups and just – hitting spot up three pointers. And I think that's where we're going to see the payoff for him potentially. I mean, that's when he looked his best in the bubble last year in those eight qualifying games, he was lights out clutch three point shooter in those eight games leading up to that first round. Uh, the second thing is something you have personal experience with and is something I'm excited to talk to you about. Tell me a little bit, cause we all speculate. We've all made travel to higher elevation. Tell me, personally what what is it going to denver was real coming from the pacific northwest to go there that elevation tell me how you think that plays into home court advantage for denver and and what that is like and what players will be encountering with that sure i mean it's definitely a difference hopefully portland's being smart getting here a day early something like that drinking their fluids uh not drinking any beers because those (laughs) those stick around longer up here yeah like a beer and a half um but yeah, you know, they, they do it a couple times a year. I think I'm, I'm hoping and, and optimistic that they kind of have it as dialed as a professional sports franchise could have it, but it does make a huge difference. And that's one reason why I'm a little surprised. I, you know, I got through a little gambling thing in here, a little <laughs> surprised at the line that came out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, initially I thought, Portland be like a plus 160 or something against Denver with all the injuries and Portland's kind of hot streak. It makes sense to bring that line a little closer, but depending on, well, you know, our friends at bet online, they actually have Portland favored slightly. And in, in most um, sports books have them as kind of a coin flip. And so to have them as a coin flip with Denver, having not only home court advantage, but home court advantage at altitude really does tell you that, Vegas thinks that Portland's a better team. Um, and I think it's not by, you know, a razor thin margin with the home court advantage in Denver being what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I think just the Portland kind of has everything kind of coming together. I, I think mo- there was a lot of preseason predictions that put them as a team that was going to be vying for home court advantage themselves. Obviously injuries change that disappointing defense changes that a couple signings, mainly Derek Jones Jr. doesn't really pan out the way we thought it was going to kind of changes that outcome. But that said, Portland hit its stride right before the playoffs and we'll see if they can carry that momentum into the postseason. It certainly looks like Vegas thinks that Portland is going to do that. Mm -hmm. Let's wrap it up real quick. What outside of the Blazers series, 
in the first round. What other first round series are you looking forward to uh, in the Western Conference? And if you got one in the Eastern Conference, let's throw that in there too. But what, what's the other series you're watching? Sure. Well, you know, on the playing front, this Warriors Lakers matchup is absolutely insane. I mean, you have two former MVPs, guys who have gone to war in the in the finals. I'll be fascinated to see who comes out of that. I think that kind of the consensus choice is the Lakers, but the Suns have been playing really well. Um, I think they'll struggle with the size of LA, but they're frisky and it's just one game. So um, I'm sorry. I think I said the Suns. I meant the Warriors. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I think they'll struggle with a little bit of that size, but you know, Steph and Dre, they've, they've been to war many, many times together. And I wouldn't count those guys out against really any other team. And so I guess just in the short term, I'm really looking forward to that. And then the, results of that i think a suns warriors matchup would be pretty fascinating i think the suns take that but obviously the suns lakers would Mm be just wild i almost feel bad for the folks out in phoenix who (laughs) haven't had a decent squad since steve nash days really and Mm -hmm. their reward for getting that two seed would be a, a a matchup with lebron and anthony davis yeah i i think just real quick on the plane, because that's definitely in the same line of what I'm thinking. I am really curious to see how that matchup goes, because like you said, there's so much history there. I think if you were to pick two guys out of a hat, one guy to get hot on offense for one game and beat any team, it would be Steph Curry. Yep. I think if you were to pull out of a hat, any player for one game playing to his top potential and experience to guard LeBron James – I think Draymond Green is on a short list uh, in that group. I guess Draymond mm-hmm. is, has aged, but for one game, I like the chances. I'm, and, I'm still curious with uh, LA's health too. Mm-hmm. You know, they really haven't looked completely healthy, especially with their top guys for weeks now. So, I think LeBron, even in that last game, kind of had a weird twist or something. You know, yeah. so. Is this the LA that we thought coming into the in the year was gonna be, you know, top three seed uh, up there to repeat, or is this kind of a banged up version that might get might get surprised? I mean, I don't, I don't know. It'd be, I think it'll be fascinating to watch. I think with them too, I think it's important to draw a line between the difference between how I view the Lakers and how I view the Nets. There are teams that both teams we have not seen them play all their players together for a long period of time. The, the Lakers added uh, Drummond at the, in the buyout market. Dennis Schroeder is a new addition this year. It's different, though. With the Nets, you have three of the best isolation scorers to ever play the game, and, and you can yeah. just kind of throw them onto the court. The Lakers aren't built that way. Yes, they are super talented players. LeBron James, Anthony Davis are two of the best players in the NBA. LeBron James, arguably the greatest basketball player to ever play in the NBA. So – on paper, you know, you would think it would just be an even swap, but really a lot of what those guys do revolves around team chemistry and playing off another player where the Nets don't need that. Defensively, they're abysmal, but mm-hmm. they're not they're not here to play defense. The Lakers need to play defense. They need to play team basketball on the offensive end, or you're going to just put so much stress on LeBron James. So I think it is important to draw that line of the difference yeah. between those two squads. Um my pick, obviously, I, I'm very interested in the play-in. I think going forward, I, I am very interested to see 
if the Clippers can shake some of that stink that they have <laughs> off of them from last year in the bubble, I think Luca can get hot and, and win a couple games on his own. If he can get to four, that's to be seen. I wouldn't be surprised if Luca comes out gunning. You get a you know a throwback Chris Stapps game, and all of a sudden you're cooking. If they get to three wins, I don't think the Clippers have the mental fortitude to really close a team out. They they Paul George has not shown that he has that in his DNA. That franchise has not shown that they are the team that can do that. So so we'll yeah. see it. We'll see how it goes. I think that's the one I'm watching the most. Yeah, it'll be fascinating, too, with the Clippers' ability to throw two premier wing defenders at Luka, too. I think mm-hmm. if he's able to – if he came through, that'd be – I mean, just kind of a stepping stone in his legacy. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's that's kind of like career-defining shit right there. It'd mm-hmm. be huge. All right. Well, I think that's all we're going to have for you guys on this episode. I think we're going to get out of here at a decent time today. We kept you a little long the last two. So, like I said, we, we want to we're going to pick up the pace a little bit with the postseason going. We're going to try to get some instant reactions to these games. You're going to get some late loopy nights for, from us here at, <laughs> at the Church of Roy podcast. But as always, we appreciate everyone. Thank you for subscribing, rating, listening to our podcast, telling your friends. You know, it's all building from here. We can We feel the love already, and it's going in the right direction. Thank you guys. Brian, you got anything before we go? Nope. Just want to reiterate, really appreciate you guys hopping on, listening to us. Uh, five stars, and Steve, always good talking, man. Appreciate you. All right. Good night. Let's go, Blazers. Woo! Thanks for listening to this episode of the Church of Roy podcast. If you like what you heard, go ahead and subscribe to the show wherever you download your podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at Church of Roy Pod, and be sure to check out our live show on Locker Room every Saturday, bright and early, at 8 a.m. Pacific.